This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Rebecca of simplyrebecca.com joins me today, and we have a cornucopia of awesome things to share with you to make this autumn season a happy one. We've got recipes, we've got activities, we've got simple ways to earn cash from your decluttering. We even have your hookup for tie-dyed tights, if that's your kind of thing. So stay tuned for all of our awesome goodness here on episode 33 of Sorta Awesome. But first, we're going to start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Rebecca, what do you have for us today? My Awesome of the Week is something that is so near and dear to my heart. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely love this. And I think it's probably pretty common. But just in case there's somebody who has not heard of TakeThemAMeal.com, I am here to rock your world. Okay. So, have you heard of the website, Megan? I have heard of it. I don't. I have not used it. I've used Meal Train, which I think is a similar concept, but I have not used Take Them a Meal. Okay. Well, they are very similar, um, but just to explain exactly what it is, it was designed um, to help organize meals for those who are in need for whatever reason that could be. That could be loss of a loved one, experiencing grief, if there's an illness in the family, a new baby, surgery, whatever reason that there is added stress on someone and others decide that they want to rally together to bless them in the form of food, takethemameal.com helps facilitate that schedule. So what you do is you have somebody coordinate the meals and like fill out the form, which will select the dates of how often They want to receive meals. You could do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday for like two months, or you could do it daily for a week or whatever fits the need for that situation. Then you can add details about exactly how many people are being fed, drop-off times, food allergies, and other food preferences. And then that link for that schedule can be emailed out. It can be shared on Facebook. And all people have to do is click on it to sign up. So then they pick the day that works best for them. They can also fill in the food item that they are taking, which is what I love so much about it because you're eliminating somebody getting like five lasagnas. Five lasagnas. Yes. That's just what I was going to say. It seems like, you know, pasta is a great frugal meal to fix for a lot of people. It it's pretty simple meal. And so it seems like that's usually a go-to when you're bringing meals to someone totally makes sense. But then when you're receiving the meals, it's like, wow, 
We have a lot of lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I love that about these. It's totally revolutionized how people, like you said, bless others with the gift of meals by like completely organizing and streamlining the whole process. So amazing. Yes. I, this is, I don't know when meal train came out, but take them a meal came out five years ago. And so when I had my first baby grace, um, we had meals, people signed up for meals. That's common in the culture of the church that I go to my friends group. They usually would try to provide meals three days a week for two weeks. And if you had a C-section, then they usually try to extend that for three weeks because of your added recovery time. And so one person from our small group or our close group of friends was designated as like the go-to person. And so that person was emailing and calling and having to coordinate the schedule and things would just fall through the cracks. And that's just a lot of pressure to put on somebody to organize all that. And then bam, take the meal comes along and simplifies everything. I love it. Now, here's one pet peeve I have about Take Them a Meal is that it does have the option there for you to say what you're going to bring. And a lot of people will just write in like to be determined or I don't know yet. And then that can lead to five lasagnas. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So as soon as you decide what you're going to make, even if it's like that day, I think you should go back in and write it in so that somebody then later who's coming up behind you can go back and see all of the food and try to prevent the five lasagna situation from happening. Right, right. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I think sometimes even if you don't know exactly what you're going to take, even if you can just kind of throw a general idea out there, like um, I like to take cheese enchiladas. It's a super fast and easy meal when I'm taking a meal to somebody. But sometimes I don't even know if I'm going to do that. I'll just put like Tex-Mex or something like that in the box. Even if I don't know specifically what dish it's going to be, I can at least throw out there the general idea. Now, I did a little bit of research to see exactly what is the difference between Meal Train and TakeThemAMeal.com because I've only used TakeThemAMeal.com. Oh, gotcha. And it looks like they are really extremely similar, except that Meal Train requires people who are bringing food to sign up for an account. Do you ah, re- recall having to sign well, in? Well, I guess I have done that. <laughs> and I just didn't even think about it. So, so yeah. it's just like one little added step. And yes. Take them a meal eliminated that. They want anybody to be able to look and access and sign up without having to jump through any hoops to be helpful. That right. Makes and total ultimately sense. that's that's yes. perfect, right? Yes. And then also Meal Train has a paid account ah. that gives more options to coordinate other needs, such as childcare or transportation, or like running errands, taking care of yard work. So if somebody is experiencing like a major crisis that requires more help in all these other areas, then they can use meal train. And that's like $10 a month, I think is what it is. Wow. I did not realize they had all of those added features on there. That is super helpful. Like you said, sometimes in the midst of either, like you said, a crisis or even an ongoing thing, if a family member is undergoing some intense medical procedures or something along those lines, there are definitely other needs that need to be met. Food is always great, fantastic, but then people are often asking, what can I do? So that's a great way to be able to point them to one kind of hub of information of these are the needs and this is who has signed up to do what. So super helpful, Rebecca. Thank you so much for that. Well, I actually, I'm not done. I have bonus Whoa, tips. There's I more. Know. You would think that I was done, <laughs> but there is more. Okay. So 
bonus tips for taking a meal is always use disposable containers. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Please. Have we all learned that lesson? Let's only use Wait, I have to stop you right here and confess this. This is so terrible. But I have in my cabinet an 8 by 8 square pan that uh, a neighbor sent when the twins were born. She sent over a meal. I can't <laughs> no. remember what it was. Yes, it's still in my cabinet. And the twins are two and a half. And Rebecca, she lives across the street. Why do I still have it? <laughs> Megan. When we are done, Letitia, I'm walk sorry. that across today. <laughs> Stick it on her porch. Oh my goodness. That this is, is what happens when you don't use disposables, people. You well, lose yes. your dishes Serves, to people like me. Serves for right. Oh my goodness. Okay. And so another thing that I like to do is I like to give people, especially like close friends of mine, choices. I do like a menu and I'll write up like three different or four different things that I'm willing to make that's in my budget that I know travel well. And then I let them pick so that they can say what they're in the mood for and what they're not. I really, really like to give soup and salad, but I have a friend whose husband isn't really into soup and her kids don't really eat soup. So she can pass on that option and pick something else. So good. And all those links will go in the show notes. Of course. Now, Megan, I am officially stuck. <laughs> so you may proceed. <laughs> Thank you for bringing so much. Awesome. This is really good stuff. I love it. Mine is totally different. I am going down a very familiar rabbit trail with my awesome of the week because it has all to do with Myers-Briggs stuff. Two fine. So I guess I'm kind of bringing um, an awesome of the week and a bonus this week too. <laughs> um, mine is sort of an ENFP double hitter, I guess you could say. It is a double feature for those of us who are ENFPs. But the second part of this is going to actually apply to all of the Myers-Briggs types. But first, I wanted to tell you that there is a writer for Thought Catalog. If you ever read any of the Thought Catalog lists or articles about different Myers-Briggs things like what every Myers-Briggs type should be for Halloween and where she like lists out, you know, by type, this is what you should dress up as. Or like Rebecca, I think that's how you found Gossip Girl as a show to watch because I think she had done Myers-Briggs types and what they should binge watch. Her name is Heidi Preeb and she's an ENFP and she has actually written an ebook. I am like, I don't know Heidi at all, but I am so proud of her because she took this idea and followed through on it and created an ebook just for those of us ENFPs who understand the struggles of being this type. So it's called The Comprehensive ENFP Survival Guide. I picked it up last week um, for my Kindle. It's like $5 for the Kindle version of it. And I will say that if you do read a lot of Heidi's posts at Thought Catalog, you will see that she has repurposed some of that content from Thought Catalog and put it into the book. So some of it I was familiar with. But what I love about Heidi's approach that is so important to me as a Myers-Briggs enthusiast is she really understands the cognitive function aspect of the whole Myers-Briggs system. And so she spends a lot of time in the book breaking that down and really explaining how that shows up in your life as an ENFP and then how to not only take that information, 
but also to act on it, to engage in personal growth, to become um, a better version of ENFP for yourself. So again, it was $5. I'm glad I picked it up. I'm just super proud of her that she wrote this book, and I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of us of this type. So speaking of that, speaking of knowing what your type is and then digging into the personal growth aspect of Myers-Briggs, I have to tell you all, if you have not been following along with the Personality Hacker podcast, you need to kind of tune into this because they are doing something amazing with their podcast. So Personality Hacker is a married couple, Joel Mark Witt and Antonia Dodge, and they have a whole system that they have built around coaching people based on their Myers-Briggs types. So what they have started doing is a deep dive week featuring each of the Myers-Briggs types. They've only done a handful so far. I can't remember which one they started with, maybe ENTP, I'm not positive, I can't remember, but they have done... ENFP and INFP, and they just, as we are recording, they just wrapped up INTJ week. So what they're doing, and they have plans to do all, feature all of the Myers-Briggs types, all 16 types. What they're doing is they start each week with an hour-long episode devoted specifically to explaining the cognitive functions for that type. And Rebecca, what I super love about their approach is they have this fantastic analogy that they've made, kind of a word picture of how the cognitive functions work, and they call it their car model system. Oh, okay. Where, because a lot of people get kind of tripped up over cognitive functions, right? And Yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah, it's, it's a little overwhelming at first because instead of just looking at each of the letters as like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you a sensor or uh, an intuitive type? Um, which they do some of, but what they really do is look at those cognitive functions um, that really explains how your brain is wired and really helps you to understand why your type acts the way it does and why it sees the world the way it does. So I'll just give you a quick overview. I don't want to spoil too much because I really, really, really want you to go and check out Personality Hacker Podcast because they do an incredible job. You guys, I cannot believe they are giving this information out for free on their podcast. This is information that I would happily pay money for, but they are doing it for free for each of the types. So in their car model philosophy or a word picture of the cognitive functions. They talk about your your first, your dominant function as being like the driver of your car, the car that is your brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then your, uh, your secondary cognitive function, they talk about being like your co-driver, your co-pilot that's sitting in the front passenger seat. Then they talk about your tertiary or your third place cognitive function being in the back seat, being like um, having the, um, the development of like a 10-year-old kid. And then your inferior function, your fourth place function, being like a three-year-old, having the development of a three-year-old. So they walk you through how all of these cognitive functions fit together and how they instruct or inform how your brain works and what this shows up as in your life. So they did ENFP week. Rebecca, I'm telling you, I listened to that hour-long episode. I'm in my third listen to it. It is so good. There were times that I actually, when I was listening, I actually got tears in my eyes because it was so spot on, so accurate. 
One thing that I really love too about the ENFP episode is they tackle the problem of what they call flightiness in the ENFP. I have called it flakiness my whole life. I think if you ask any ENFP out there, all of us are very sensitive about the fact that we know we have a huge tendency to be so flaky and we hate it. And yet most of us, myself included, don't know how to overcome that tendency towards flakiness. And they spend a lot of time breaking that down. Why do we do things? Why do we why are we acting so flighty? And what do we need to do to overcome that? So I really appreciated that about their approach to the, the ENFP. Um, also, like I said, they just finished INTJ week. My husband is an INTJ. I have lots of friends who are INTJs. I just listened to the hour-long episode on, on INTJs. I texted all of my INTJ friends. I was like, you have to listen to this. <laughs> I downloaded it on my husband's phone for him. I was like, I know you don't like this stuff, but please, please, please listen to it. I think you will really find this to be so affirming. It's so okay. good. Megan, I have to interrupt you there and tell you. <laughs> Just last night, we had small group, and um, which is several couples from my church. We get together every two weeks, and two of them are INTJs. And so I told them last night about the Personality Hackers podcast, and I told them, so INTJs and those who are married to INTJs, you might want to listen to this. And I was met with maybe some blank stares and giggles, and I just love that, like, uh, I just love that you did the exact same thing. I love that you're out there evangelizing for all of this Myers-Briggs stuff, too. Now, do you listen to, like, every single type, or are you only listening to the ones of, like, key people that you, like, personalities that you know of key people in your life? I have to tell you, so far of the deep dives, I've only listened to ENFP and INTJ. Like I said, they have done INFP, and I have a ton of INFP friends, so I want to go back and listen to that. But as you and I have talked about, I mean, my podcast app is constantly bulging at the seams with stuff that I haven't listened to. So I have not gotten there. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I have not gone back and listened to the others. I, I have plans to, but so far the ENFP and INTJ ones, that I've listened to have just, I'm just cannot stop talking about how fantastic it is because I so admire and appreciate their approach. And I feel like they just nail it in so many ways. So they're awesome. Personality hacker, go check it out. I will for sure put this into the show notes so you can easily find these episodes. So moving from that awesome into our next segment of awesome, Um, I don't know if y'all remember, if you're longtime listeners of the show, you may remember back to episode 11, Kelly and I did an episode called Ready, Set, Summer, and we shared 10 things to make summer more awesome. We had so much fun doing that episode. You all, as listeners, loved that show so much. We got a ton of great feedback on that show that Rebecca and I thought it would be so much fun to give fall some love too. I mean, not really the fall doesn't really need that much more love. If you look at your Instagram feed <laughs> at any oh given goodness, moment gracious. right now, it's all about fall with the leaves and the cozy and the boots and the sweaters and all of that. But Rebecca and I thought it would be so fun to think about what are some of our favorite things about fall? What are the things that we return to year after year? What are the awesome things about autumn that we want to share with you all? 10 things to make this autumn a little bit more awesome. 
Okay, and so to start off this list of 10 things to make our autumn a little more awesome, we each have a recipe that we want to share with you guys. Rebecca, I'm going to let you share yours first. My recipe is for amazingly moist turkey. Perfect for your Thanksgiving meal. Okay. Apologies to the Canadians who already had Thanksgiving. (laughs) You're on your own, Canadians. (laughs) Sorry. This recipe comes from my mother-in-law, and I had her teach me how to do it, except I haven't actually hosted my own Thanksgiving yet because that just seems like really intimidating and extremely grown-up, and I'm just pretending to be a grown-up. So (laughs) anyway, so she taught me how to do it, and there's a couple keys to making amazingly moist turkey. First of all, she makes this butter rub that she puts all over the outside and like inside and like under the skin of the turkey. And it has lots of different spices in it that just give it a really amazing flavor. And I won't list them all here, but we can link to it in the show notes. And then she cooks it like normal in a roasting pan, covered, bastes it, all that business. But here's the key is that she does all of this the day before she wants to serve it. So then she picks it all off the bone and she puts it back in the roasting pan or some other sort of baking dish of some kind, pours all of the juice from the turkey baking in its pan, pours all of that back on top of the picked off pieces of turkey and adds extra water if needed to cover it. And then she puts that in the fridge overnight. So it kind of really just like soaks in all that juice and all that good flavor, which is what makes it so moist. And then the next day or whenever she's ready to serve it, because you could do this a couple days in advance as long as the turkey doesn't go bad. um, She just reheats it in the oven. That is super interesting. You know, there are a not small number of people out there who do not care for turkey. I happen to be married to one of them. So every year at Thanksgiving, he's already like, okay, here we go. Got to force down the turkey. But I think one of the big complaints is that it can dry out so easily. So this sounds like a great solution, not to mention taking the pressure off on actual Thanksgiving day. If you've already had, if you already have your turkey baked and just ready to heat up. You just have to reheat it. It gets rid of all the mess. You can do whatever you want with the bones. You could set them aside to make bone broth for later or just throw them away or whatever you want to do. And all of that mess and all of that, the carving of the turkey, that's all taken care of. And I also agree that turkey really isn't my favorite. And it really is because it's just so dry. So I really love my mother-in-law's turkey, but I don't really love turkey in general. So I say it is worth trying for sure. Awesome. And you have that on your blog, right? I do. We will totally put a link in the show notes for that. Mine is also a recipe. This is my very favorite thing to make as soon as the weather turns cool in the fall. It is a recipe I got from my fellow Oklahoman, Reed Drummond, the pioneer woman. She posted this several years ago on her blog. It is Pioneer Woman's Perfect Pot Roast. And you guys, I am telling you, it is perfect. I love this recipe. It's so super simple. When I was growing up, My parents would make pot roast from time to time, and apologies to my parents. I love them dearly, but they just did not have the touch with the pot roast. Oh, no. (laughs) So I grew up thinking that pot roast was kind of bland and dry and gross. However, as a grown-up, making this pot roast, it is one thing that my entire family loves. It is just, there's just something about letting meat and vegetables roast for most of the afternoon with that smell going through the whole house. It is so, it just speaks to me so much of cool weather. 
So a couple of things to know about this recipe. She talks about in her blog post about making a perfect pot roast. It really does start with the cut of meat that you use. So you wanna make sure that you get a good roast that has lots of fat marbling because as it is roasting, it's just going to tenderize that meat so much. Oh my goodness, my mouth is watering thinking about it. (laughs) Now, hers is super simple. It is the the roast and then carrots and onions. And it roasts in not only its juices, but also red wine, which she says is optional, um, and beef broth as it is cooking. I am here to tell you all, the red wine is not optional. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've made, no, genuinely, I've made it both ways. I've made it with the red wine, and then I've made, she says you can just use extra beef broth instead. I've made it both ways, but it will lose so much of the richness and depth of flavor if you leave out the red wine. So I am here to tell you, it is worth picking up. You don't have to get a crazy expensive bottle. An 8 to $10 bottle is fine. Um, Rebecca, I have to tell you, I grew up in a church denomination, being Southern Baptist, where drinking of any kind is generally not acceptable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grew up and became an adult who has no idea, for the most part, I've had to teach myself a lot through the years how to pick uh, a bottle of wine for anything, but even for cooking, something is as simple as cooking. And in Oklahoma, you cannot just pick a bottle off of the shelf at the grocery store. No, you have to go to the liquor store to get a bottle of wine in Oklahoma. So I have spent many, you know, trips to the liquor store walking in like, first of all, am I even supposed to be here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the scandal. Yes, yes. And then secondly, just being completely clueless, what do I even pick off of the shelf? But I wanted to tell you all, if you are not used to uh, cooking with wine, a rule of thumb is super simple when it just, when recipe calls for like a red wine, as this recipe does, just pick a bottle that you would drink anyway. And so I will tell you that a wine that I've seen in lots of different places across the country, I think it's pretty widely available. It's from a a winery in California called Bogle, B-O-G-L-E. All of their wines are very reasonably priced and very approachable. So you could pick up Bogle's Merlot or their Old Vine Zinfandel. Those are fantastic in this roast. You just need a cup of it for this recipe. So if you are not a wine drinker and you have this leftover wine, you can pour it into an ice cube tray, freeze it, pop those wine ice cubes out, put them in a Ziploc baggie and pop them back into your freezer. And then anytime you make a recipe that calls for red wine, whether it's a roast or a beef stew or whatever, you've got your wine ready to go right there. Aren't you smart? I mean, I am very smart, especially when it comes (laughs) to cooking. Just kidding. (laughs) So I have a confession that I have, I have two of them. Number one, I have never cooked with wine. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. And number two, I've never made a pioneer woman's recipe. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just haven't. (laughs) I don't follow her blog. I mean, like, I had clicked on it, like, back in the day and looked at, oh, she does, like, these amazing pictures of, like, every single solitary step in the recipe. But I've never made anything. Well, I hope... I hope that her perfect pot roast will be your first go at it. Because look, you'll kill two birds with one stone. That's a pretty big leap. (laughs) Two never-befores all in the same recipe. I'm promising you. I am here to tell you. It's a great go-to recipe. It's not complicated. And it turns out 
so wonderfully every time. You can do this, Rebecca. I believe in you for sure. Okay. 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 So those were our recipes. You have something for us Halloween related, which as this show comes out, it's going to be Halloween weekend. So let's hear what you have going for this. Okay. Like I'm already like tearing up from like containing the giggles about this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Something that makes me so happy in the fall is, okay, I have slightly icky feelings about Halloween, but something I can't help but love are pun themed Halloween costumes. Okay. I love it. Okay. So do you, are you telling me that you dress up every year? Uh, No, 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 no. I haven't. I dressed up. I think the last time I dressed up was when I worked in an office that somebody was fanatic about Halloween and they organized a Halloween party, but just like one year that I was there. And that's the last time that I've dressed up, but it was a pun themed (laughs) costume. And I am going to quiz you, Megan, to see if you can figure out what I was for Halloween. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so stressed out right now. (laughs) (laughs) I am the opposite of stressed out. I am elated. Okay. (laughs) So I dressed all in black. Okay. I took tiny cereal boxes. I stabbed holes in them with the plastic knives and I drew, I painted on fake blood and then attached them to my body. What was I? Serial killer. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> winner, winner. Because I love <laughs> pun themed costumes so much, I have more to Let's quiz you on. Let's Are you hear ready? Him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Somebody is dressed in a normal shirt and pants, but they have the little candy Smarties attached all over their pants. What are they? Smarty pants, right? Yes! Okay. (laughs) You're so good at this. Are you still stressed out? No, this is actually pretty fun. (laughs) Okay. Okay, somebody is wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Their shirt says ceiling on it. They have a baseball cap that also says ceiling, and they are cheering. Okay. I actually do know this one only because I was looking at a list online today. It was a similar one. I'm I'm guessing ceiling fan. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I would not have known that. I would not. I would have been a little stumped on that, but I just saw that today. So, okay. Ceiling fan. Pretty clever. Teenage neighbor girls of mine that last night and they thought that it was the lamest thing that they had ever heard. (laughs) I think teenagers are contractually obligated to think every idea is the lamest (laughs) thing they've ever heard. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Somebody is dressed in normal clothes, but they have a cardboard star hanging around their neck and they're holding toy guns. What are they? Okay, I'm stumped. I don't know this one. They're a shooting star. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's clever. That's okay, clever. I think these are too funny. I'm like trying to hold it together. Okay. <laughs> and my, the last one, my, fa- my favorite one. Oh, I'm going to get so giggly. Okay, my favorite one. Dressed in normal clothes, but they're holding a sign above their head. And it says, in one square, it says, Monday, sunny, Tuesday, cloudy, Wednesday, rainy, and so on. Kind of like when you're looking at the 10-day forecast. They're holding a sign like that above their head. Okay. What are they? Oh, and that's their costume? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't know. You're laughing so much that I know it can't just be like you're the weather girl or whatever. So 
no. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not the weather girl. Oh, I'm so silly. Do you want me just to tell you? <laughs> You're going to have to just tell me, yes. <laughs> They're under the weather. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't even get it out without laughing. Could you even hear what I said? Under uh-huh. the weather. Oh, I They're heard under you. Under the weather. I heard you. I wonder if Kelly has ever dressed up as under the weather for Halloween. We will have to ask her about that. That is pretty clever, I have to say. Those are good. You know, I talked about another show I haven't dressed up in years, but but maybe I should do something pun-themed like that because I do enjoy some good wordplay. So (laughs) thank you for finding those. Okay, what is your next one? Um, Man, mine's going to be like a letdown after that. I didn't even think to come up with a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) No quiz? Ah, again. (laughs) Okay, so as this show um, is ready for you all this week, it's not only Halloween weekend, but it is also time change weekend. Oh, good golly. What a downer. (laughs) What a downer. I'm telling you, I just completely killed our energy talking about this. (laughs) I I cannot stand the time change. I I can't either, especially as you know, when you have children, you are robbed of the joy of falling back because the devil himself decided that we needed to change the time zone yes. or time. What? What is it? The time? What? what Just the it? time? Yes, the time. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? You like zoned out on? I it. was thinking, is there a, a technical name for this? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, time change weekend is upon us. I am doing better about this now, but I will say that in years past. I used to get legit depressed about the time change because I am a summer girl. I love sunshine. I love bright. I love light. And so the impending darkness used to really bum me out. I will say I still feel a little bummed out, but I've definitely gotten better through the years. One thing that I started doing um, in past years to have something to look forward to and to really try to embrace the darkness of the fall and winter months is I started uh, really lighting candles a lot throughout the house. Um, Some for their scent qualities, because I like the house to smell good, but also just to have that flicker of candlelight, which I have to admit is very cozy and really kind of is something nice to look forward to in those cold months. However, with having two toddlers... Oh, is that a concern? It's a concern. Twins and flames? I don't don't understand. What's the problem there? It is a major concern because one of the twins, there is no surface upon which he cannot climb. I am waiting (laughs) for the day when I find him on top of the refrigerator because he just, he is innately a climber. And I never understood the perils and uh, fears of having a child who's a climber until Mac came along. He climbs everywhere and gets everything, like nothing is safe. So anyway, last year, I invested in flameless candles. Now, I'm going to say, Rebecca, speaking of lame, when I had seen these in stores before, I thought that is really lame. I mean, how cheesy and hokey is it to have these plastic flameless candles? But then I realized if I wanted to have candlelight and not burn the house down because a child has gotten into the candle, I'm going to have to check these things out. And I did. Last year, I found a company on Amazon called uh, called Inglow. They have a whole line of candles. You can get them in small sizes or big sizes. I ordered like, um, I can't remember, like it was like an eight pack or a 12 pack or something of their votives. So they're small candles. They are battery operated LED lights. 
when you get them out of the package, they do. I mean, they look cheesy. You're like, this does not even look like a real candle. But I have to say that when it gets dark and you switch those little candles on and you put them up in your windowsill or in a little display on your fireplace mantle or just wherever you have them around the house, they really do look like little flickering candles. They really do. And they're totally safe to have around kids. In fact, speaking of Halloween, you could pop these into your jack-o'-lanterns or use them in a variety of ways for Halloween. Mm, They are so easy. They run on little round batteries that you also can order from Amazon. I'll put those in the show notes. Um, You know, the girls have really loved them too. What they like to do is, I think I gave them three. And so we created an evening ritual to go with their bedtime routine. After the time change, they can have these candles in their room. And so they go to sleep with, it looks like candlelight in the room. It's not, and it's totally safe, but they love that flickery glow of candles. So flameless candles, I'm here to tell you, are an awesome thing for your fall and winter. Okay, moving on. What do you have next on your list? Next on my list is practicing thankfulness for the entire month of November. I do that with my kids. I started this tradition three years ago of having a thankful tree. So every day my kids tell me something that they're thankful for in the month of November. And I have this brown paper that I cut into the shape of a tree and I put it on the wall. And then I have these leaves that are cut out and we write down, they're like all at the bottom of the tree. And then we write down what they're thankful for and then they get to stick it up on top of the tree. So it's kind of like the opposite of leaves falling. (laughs) So that doesn't quite make sense. But at the end of the month, They have a tree full of leaves that say all these things that they're thankful for. And it's so adorable and so sweet. So cute. I love that. Last year, I think that Noah said, he was two and a half. He said almost daily that he was thankful for his big sister's frozen backpack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love toddlers. They're so silly. (laughs) So sweet. So I have some tips on like how you can make this in your house. Okay. Okay. First of all, you could look for it on Pinterest. That's where I originally found the idea. And I think you could, you know, we'll put it in the show notes too. I wrote a blog post about it, but you'll need brown paper and like a lot of it. You can get that at like a craft supply store or an educational supply store. You can even, and there at those stores, you can buy it like by the foot. And I bought mine for 55 cents per foot. You would need maybe like four to six feet depending on how big you want your tree and you can also buy butcher paper at Walmart in like big rolls but that's probably going to give you a lot more than what you would end up needing but that's a place where you can find it you know something else you could do is if you buy a lot from Amazon and they're always putting tons of that brown paper packing in you could just kind of you know your tree would be kind of wrinkly or whatever but you could use that if you're in a pinch and then you're going to need construction paper in the different colors that you want for your leaves to be And what I decided to do was to laminate my leaves so that I can use a dry erase marker to write on them and then just wipe them off at the end of the year and I can reuse them every year. Smart mama. I like that. So I went to an educational supply store and I took my construction paper with me, although I could have bought some there, and I laminated all of my sheets. And the laminating, I thought that was going to cost me an arm and a leg. It only ended up costing me $2. I mean, I don't know why I thought it was so expensive. So I laminated all my sheets and then I used an Elson die cut machine to 
pick out different shapes and different kinds of leaves. I think I have like four different patterns of different styles of leaves to mix it up. You can find those, like I said, at educational store or even some libraries have Elson die cut machines. My mom's library has one that you can use for free or for a donation or something. And then you want to tape everything to your wall, but you need to be careful about what kind of tape that you use on your painted walls. So I found some at the educational store. It's called Mavilus Tape. Okay. I don't. I might be making up that pronunciation, <laughs> but it's safe on painted walls and it's used a lot in classrooms. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. So, or you could use painter's tape. Sure. Yeah. Probably. And then a dry erase marker, and then boom, there you go. And that's all you need. And it's really, it's just the sweetest part, I think, is number one, just teaching our children thankfulness in honor of Thanksgiving. Just hearing what they have to say. Yes. Different things that they end up being thankful for. It's so cute. That's so good. I love that idea. I do. And you could do that in lots of different ways. Um, forms. I mean, you could do it if you're like a Sunday school teacher or, um, you know, work with children in other ways outside of your home. This is something that could easily be adapted to any of those situations. So I really like that. The thankful tree. We will definitely link to what yours look like in the show notes so people can kind of get a visual of how you set yours up. I love it. Okay, tell me what you have next. Okay, well, mine is also something for the home. One thing that I love about fall that I just cannot get enough of are the scents and smells of fall, of autumn. So anything from baking, I love all of the, you know, cinnamon and spice blends that come with baking and all of that stuff. So one thing that you can do to have that scent in your house without, you know, baking something every day, which why not? I don't know. You'll gain 20 pounds in November, but that's okay. Um, But if you want to grab some essential oils and your essential oil diffuser, I've got some recipes for you that you can use for your diffuser to get that um, lovely autumn smell to uh, just float through your entire house. I'm going to give you three examples of recipes. I mean, again, speaking of Pinterest, you can find a ton of this stuff on Pinterest, but these are three that I have done in the past that I think are so yummy and so good. The first one um, is just kind of an all-purpose autumn blend, and it's going to be three drops of wild orange, three drops of patchouli, and one drop of clove. And that is just a kind of just fall-inspired blend. There's Sounds one, amazing. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. And that clove is super strong. So that's why there's only one drop in there. <laughs> Another one that is inspired by apple pie. So good. It's two drops of clove, two drops of cinnamon, and then two drops of ginger or ginger root. I like to get my oils from Plant Therapy, which I've talked about on the show, planttherapy.com. Their ginger is called ginger root. Same thing. So that one is really yummy and apple pie smelling. And then the last one is sort of inspired by the that smell of autumn leaves as they've fallen. And maybe you go for a walk and the, just that very distinctive autumn smell of walking through the leaves. This one is going to be five drops of wild orange a drop of patchouli, and a drop of ginger. So uh, that one is really kind of nature inspired. So I will put those recipes into the show notes for you. Also, speaking of plant therapy, I had not seen this before, but I just noticed on their website, they have a blend, a synergy called Holiday Season, 
So if you don't want to buy all of these separate oils, uh, you could grab some of this holiday season synergy, and it's going to be um, a blend of orange, cinnamon, ginger, and nutmeg. So there you go. And you can keep that in your diffuser through the fall and into the winter months, and it makes your whole house smell delish. Fantastic. You're just schooling me on all kinds of things. I know. Wine, diffuser, pioneer woman. <laughs> Let's see what else you can school me in. Well, you have one coming up, I know, that is one that I need to learn from you about. So what is next on your list? Next on my list are Facebook yard sale groups. Okay. I'm familiar with this concept, but I have never had much luck with them. So please teach me all you know. Okay. So... Two years ago, I started decluttering my home, and doing that in October is not really ideal because it's not a fabulous time of year to have a garage sale, yard sale, whatever. So I started just posting things online. I also didn't feel like I had quite enough to warrant an actual yard sale, but I posted things on a Facebook site that was dedicated to people who want to buy and sell from those in their neighborhood. So I live in a somewhat dense area. I mean, I'm not living like New York City by any means. But so my group is like my town and two or three other surrounding towns. If you live in a really rural area, then perhaps it would be like your entire county or something could be on one of these yard sale sites. And then you just you post a picture and a description and a price. And if you're willing to meet them or if you want to do something called like porch pickup, and then people can just leave comments if they want to buy your item. So it's kind of like Craigslist. Right. Except you're doing it on Facebook, which is where everybody is like every moment of the day anyway, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> and so if you're a member of one of these groups, then occasionally things will come through your news feed of other people that are selling things. And so you can click on those and look at it, or you can go directly to the site or to the to the group, sorry, on Facebook, and you can look for things and buy things. I bought a white desk that's in my dining room. I paid $10 for it, and it was perfect. Perfect, yeah. So last October, I started decluttering a lot of stuff and getting rid of things, and I sold, I made like 80 bucks selling just like random stuff on Facebook. That is awesome. That really is awesome. $80 from just your junk that's laying around the house. Exactly. Amazing. So then I use that money to help pay for Christmas gifts. And I feel like the fall is a really good time to do this because number one, clear out your own home of the junk that you don't need before you start bringing in gifts from family relatives or that you're exchanging amongst your own family. And then also other people are looking for gifts. So if your children have outgrown some toys, that's the perfect time to put them on because others want to snag the good deal that they can give a hand-me-down or a used toy instead of maybe um, a brand new toy so they can save some money. So if you want to look for one of these groups, I would start by searching on Facebook for your town name and seeing if things pop up or maybe even your county. You could even ask some of your friends that are on Facebook if they're part of any of these yard sale groups. And then two, you want to think about safety-wise, like you you want to consider what are you willing, how are you willing to interact with the people that you're selling? Do you want them to come to your house and like knock on your door and for you to hand them the item? Um, Do you want to meet at perhaps a grocery store parking lot at a designated time? I don't really like to do either of those things. I don't necessarily need to see the person that I'm giving my item to. (laughs) 
And I don't want to coordinate a time where I have to put my kids in the car and drive somewhere and then wait in the parking lot for them. That sounds like a pain, unless they're paying me a large amount, I would be willing to do that. But for like a $3 item, I mean, that's just not yeah. So I do a lot of porch pickup, which means that I will set something straight up on my front porch and encourage them to put the money, the cash in my mailbox. I have never once had something stolen off my porch before they came. I've never once had somebody not put the money in my mailbox. Um, it's really worked out very well for me. And I feel like that's a good alternative. If I'm home, it doesn't matter. If I'm not home, it doesn't matter. One thing that I do is I make sure that I don't give people my address that have said, like, I want I want to buy this from you. And I'm like, okay, tell me when you can come, and then I'll give you my address. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I just don't – because sometimes people are flaky, and they fall through on <laughs> they're things. they're ENFPs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for all the ENFPs out there in my town, I don't want them all to know my address. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter if somebody knows my address and then they don't end up coming. I'm right. not sure it really matters at all unless you're like – I'm not a super fearful person in right. general. Yeah. There's so many people who'd be like, no, I do not want strangers coming to my house sure, to pick yeah. something up like at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's to each their own. Um, but So that's one thing that I do to kind of cut down on like how many people I'm telling my address to. Like they have to commit to I'm coming on this day at this time. You know, I've done this a couple of times. I haven't had the best luck. Um, maybe it's just the groups I'm in. But I will say, in general, I do feel like this is probably just an imagined sense of safety. But when you're using Facebook, for the most part, the vast majority of people use their real name and their real, you know, their their Facebook account has their real, like, online life on there, as opposed to Craigslist, when it could just be like a random stranger that you don't know anything about, except that they were interested in your Craigslist ad. So I don't know, again, this is probably just my imagination, I'm probably being naive, but I do feel an added sense of like, this other person is legit, when it comes to making a transaction through a Facebook group, as opposed to Craigslist, where I really don't know a thing about them. Does that make sense at all? You know, I, I'm not sure I could have worded it that way, or even thought but fully that way, but I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Again, maybe we're fooling ourselves, but. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. Okay. What is your next item? Okay. Well, my next one on my list is related to the fact that I've talked about this on the show several times. I do not really wear jeans or pants very often ever. I like to wear skirts and dresses very huge fan of those things. And I wear them on into the fall and the winter. I do have the, I guess, the benefit of living in Oklahoma is that it does certainly get cold in the winter here. Um, but on the days when it's the coldest, Rebecca, I'm just gonna be honest, I don't leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in my fleece pajama bottoms all day. I have no problem wearing those. But when it's just chilly, fall and winter chilly here in the 40s or even into the 30s, I still wear my skirts and dresses that I love so much, but I just throw on a pair of tights or leggings underneath to keep my legs warm. So I wanted to tell you all about one of my favorite places to find tights and leggings. It's a company called We Love Colors. WeLoveColors.com. They're not related to, they're not affiliated with this podcast in any way. They don't know who I am. I'm just a fan of their stuff. But I love their tights and leggings. They're really well made. I really enjoy that. They have beautiful and fun colors. 
so many patterns to choose from. Um, their colors are everything from the, you know, sort of traditional neutrals to like neons. They have like tie-dye looking tights. I mean, just any kind of legwear that you are looking for to go uh, under skirts or dress or whatever they have. They have tights, they have leggings, they have thigh highs and knee highs. They have fishnet stockings. They have fishnet bodywear. So if that is oh, what you're in the market for. that's something I have been searching for. <laughs> oh, thank you, Megan. Yeah, you can find it at welovecolors.com. They, one thing I also really love they have a whole line of plus-sized hosiery. So if you are in the plus sizes, you know that, first of all, it's hard to find tights and leggings in that size. And then when you do, it's usually like black, navy blue, and that's about it. Those are your choices. But they have their whole range of colors and patterns they also have available in their plus-size line. So that's fantastic. They have uh, tights and leggings for your kids. Uh, they have uh, stuff for men. They have all kinds of stuff at welovecolors.com. So I've had several people kind of ask either in the Facebook group or email me and be like, I know you said you love skirts, but what do you do in the winter? I'm like, I just keep wearing my skirts, <laughs> but with leggings or tights. So um, it's a fantastic company to find what you're looking for when it comes to how you're going to keep your legs warm through the fall and winter. Fantastic. All right. We're to our fifth ones on our list. Number five on your list, Rebecca, what do you have? Soup. Woohoo! Soup. Soup? <laughs> what? I don't like soup. <laughs> when you were talking what? when you were talking about your friend whose husband didn't like soup and salad, I was like, um, I don't either. <laughs> I really don't oh, like soup. I can. I know. That's so sad. Talk to me about soup. Sell me on soup, Rebecca. Let's hear it. Well, no, why don't you like soup? Um, I feel like it's I don't feel like I'm ever full after I eat a meal of soup. I don't know. Oh, well, maybe you're not eating the right kind of soup. Apparently not, because if you're bringing soup and salad to people and it's a whole meal, then I think I maybe have been doing this wrong. So, <laughs> oh, I feel so sad for you. I know. I know. I don't like cilantro and I don't like soup. A lot of people feel sorry for me. Trust me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I just, I love soup so much that like as I'm talking my hands are in the air in like hallelujah celebration I just really do love soup and nothing says like you say oh it's fall it's cold let's make a pot roast I'm like eh, no let's make a soup and so I made it so much last year my little Noah was two and a half last fall and he was obsessed with helping me in the kitchen and he was taking late naps and every day I would wake him up from his nap and I'd bring him downstairs and supper would already be in the process or just getting started and he <laughs> started saying, what kind of soup are we making? Or let's make soup. Are you making soup? Aww. Like, because we made it so much. It was yes. so adorable. Cute. Okay, talk so to me. I have, what are some of your favorites? What am I missing? Okay, I have two. Okay. The first is a taco soup. Um, it's originally came from this little like tea shop restaurant, like those places where you go to have like a fancy tea with your girlfriends and they serve you the little sandwiches. And do you know what I mean? Fancy tea and taco soup. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. I know the place you're talking about. I did not know they served taco soup there, but okay. I know what you're talking about. Well, no. <laughs> I'm not talking to, I don't know what restaurant it actually came from. It came from one of those types of tea places. Okay, okay. 
I don't know if the tea shop in your hometown has taco soup, but <laughs> this recipe came from, <laughs> came from one of those places. The point is that those places, I'm sorry, I'm losing focus here. The okay. point is, is that little tea shop places like that always have really good food. It's, okay. it's good yeah. and it's cute and it's like fun and uh, you are so not sold. But anyway, <sighs> so this soup originally came from one of those types of places and it's freezer friendly so it's and it's easy to make it's basically like a tomato juice base with some beans and some hamburger in it and some taco seasoning but it's not like a spicy soup and then I serve it with like corn chips or Fritos on top and cheese and sour cream and it's just delightful and I love it now I actually it came I really, from my aunt I really do love um, a taco soup because you know what's in there ground beef and that to me is more filling than when I think of different kinds of soup. So I will give you that a good taco soup is fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll put the recipe in the show notes and you can give it a try. My other favorite soup was like the best Pinterest find of my life. Whoa. I have made this soup so much. It's a creamy chicken and wild rice soup. So you put chicken breasts frozen or thawed in the crock pot with, um, chicken broth and carrots and celery and you let that cook like forever in a day and then you pull out the chicken and you shred it and then you make like this creamy soup base and you add that in and it has oh and you put wild rice in the crock pot I mean it's just it's just amazing and it makes this thick beautiful creamy chicken soup and I've taken that a lot for baby meals, or if somebody's coming over for supper, maybe I'll serve soup and salad. So I'll have salad with this homemade salad dressing that I make that I absolutely love. It's like a sweet and sour salad dressing. And then the soup and like a really yummy, dense, crusty bread to go with it that you can like dip into the soup. And then the key is to serve all of that kind of all together rather than doing just the salad first and then the soup. That doesn't seem as filling as if like everybody's digging into it all at once and everybody can take helpings of second helpings of as much stuff as they want and then dessert. And that's a lot of chopping. Right. So if you can do some of the chopping, the salad chopping, maybe the day before that helps, but I just absolutely adore it. And in the hangout group, facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout, we were sharing some of our favorite soup recipes and a member of the hangout group, Lisa gathered all of them together and made a Pinterest board called Sorta Awesome Soup. So you can go on there and find 63 recipes that were shared by members of the Hangout group of all their favorite soups. I knew that Lisa had put that board together. I did not realize there were that many different kinds of soup on there. That is amazing. Thank you, Lisa, so much for doing that. That is so helpful. We will definitely link to that in the show notes so that if you are craving soup, you can find out what all the other awesomes are fixing up this fall. Love it. Well, the last one on my list is something to get us through the cold and flu season, hopefully with less of us getting sick. When you are out and about in public, it is inevitable you're going to pick up some of the crud that is going around. However, one thing that I started doing in the past few years, especially last year with um the twins picking up stuff so easily that the girls would bring home from school is we started really using elderberry syrup 
as a preventative, um, kind of an immune booster to get us through cold and flu season. Um, It's not 100% guaranteed to keep those germs at bay for sure, but it does naturally build up your immune system so that when you're exposed to all of these little germies that are floating around, your body is prepared to fight that stuff off. There's a couple of different ways that you can do this. You can make your own at home. It is super easy to do, and this is the more frugal way. Rebecca, I know you like frugal stuff, frugal approaches to things. So the more frugal way to do it is make your own. You can find um, dried black elderberries uh, from a variety of vendors. Mountain Rose Herbs, I know, is one place that carries them. You can find them in various places that sell natural health and living products. Uh, So all you need is that, um, some fresh ginger root, some cinnamon, some cloves. Cloves are a big part of that recipe and honey and water. I will put a recipe in the show notes from Katie of Wellness Mama. I think that her stuff is fantastic go-to for natural health and living recipes and resources. I love her stuff. So I will put that recipe in there. I've used it before. It's a super simple process of making this syrup and then you can take it yourself, give it to your kids, your spouse, whoever, to keep your immune functioning through the cold and flu season. Now, if you are not up for ordering the products or or tracking down all of the different parts of these recipes, you can also just pick some up at the pharmacy at your CVS or Walgreens, wherever pre-made and already bottled for you are Nature's Way has them. You maybe have seen them on your pharmacy shelves under the brand name um, Sam Bucol, I think is how you pronounce it. So you can also just pick it up at the pharmacy if you don't have the time or energy to make it. But I hugely believe in this stuff. I think it is so helpful if you've had a little one suffering through a cold or if you have someone in your family who picks up the flu easily. It's so great to go ahead and get on elderberry syrup. I have to tell you, I have a neighbor who is super skeptical about all things um, crunchy, just in general. (laughs) But even she believes in the power of elderberry syrup to keep your immune system up and also to help um, shorten the length of the time that a cold is dragging you down. So that is something that's great for the fall and winter to keep you and your family healthy. So that's the last one on my list. Well, how does it taste? Um, it's, it's good. I mean, it's especially the store-bought ones. I feel like the store-bought ones are a little sweeter than the ones that you make at home. Although if you're making it at home, you could always just add more honey if you didn't think it had turned out sweet enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's way better than taking like cough medicine or something like that. Okay. It has a nice, sweet, fruity taste to it because the elderberries are the base. So... Yeah. And do you and your family take it like every day, every single day? Yes. I mean, I like to take it as a preventative as we move into the hardcore cold and flu season. Not everybody does it that way. And again, I think it just depends on um, what your budget is for it. But you can certainly take it even after you've gotten sick. Again, because what it does is it goes in and boosts your immune system. So you can take it even if you're already coming down with symptoms to shorten uh, the duration of whatever you've picked up. So have you already started giving your children elderberry syrup or not quite yet? No, we haven't started yet, but I would say sometime in November, we'll get it fired up and get it going around here again. So this is a confession. You've never taken elderberry syrup. I've never (laughs) taken it. Surprise, surprise. I don't know anything that you're talking about today, Megan. I really don't. But no, my confession is that I bought some oh, and okay. I have it. Okay. And I, I did that like months ago and I haven't used it okay. because that's okay. 
I don't know why I didn't. Well, I think part of it is I did it like at spring. And so then like all the sickness like left my house. Like I yes. got it after all the sickness was gone. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I don't feel like I need it now. So I should check if there's an expiration date because yeah. does it expire? I don't know. Check your check your bottle. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to be held legally liable for that, Rebecca. (laughs) Well, but thank you for the push and the reminder that it's good just to give it a try and just what 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 am I waiting for? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I hope that you all had as much fun listening to us share our awesome tips for autumn as we had sharing them with you. Thank you for being with us today, Rebecca. Before we leave, let's remind everybody where we can find you all around the web. You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. And then you can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, all at Simply Rebecca. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Mag. Or you can come talk to us on Facebook. Like Rebecca said, in the Hangout group, it's facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We are also on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash Sorta Awesome. If you have feedback on the show or just want to say hi, you can email me anytime at sortaawesomemegan at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the show, it would be incredibly awesome if you would subscribe, rate, or review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to PragerMusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.